0: Hi, and welcome to the totally varying in length five minutes of rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. Today's episode is an introduction, and really just an introduction, to Demerara rum. I have some Eldorado five-year rum on hand, and I'll also talk about Demerara sugar in syrup form, and then swizzle those things into a Noah Noah. So I wanted to start by doing just a small bit of follow-up. Um, after the Mai Tai episode, episode seven, I received a nice uh, comment from a listener who goes by the name Captain Jimbo. Uh, who provided a link to an article he wrote that goes into detail on the history of the Mai Tai. So uh, a little bit further study on the history or introduction of the Mai Tai from Episode 7. I've added a link to that in the show notes, so I encourage you to go check it out. Uh, I've also linked that on the 5 Minutes of Rum blog at uh, http5minutesofrum.com blog. So there also is, in addition to the episodes on the 5minutesofrum.com website, there is a blog that I'll link out to different articles Um, On a semi-regular basis, not too often, but I'm trying to curate more articles there. So uh, both this link from Captain Jimbo on History of the Mai Tai and other links are available on 5minutesofrum.com slash blog. So today's topic is Demerara rum. Demerara rum is named after a former Dutch colony, Demerara, uh, that's located in what is now uh, known as Guyana on the north coast of South America. Demerara is a translation of an Arawak word meaning river of the letter wood. Demerara sugar comes from sugarcane fields in this former colony. Uh, Guiana is technically a part of the Caribbean, even though it's one of the few non-island members of the Caribbean. So not unlike dark Jamaican rum, Demerara rum is an English style rum with a strong molasses underpinning that ties back to its origin in the sugarcane fields from Demerara slash Guiana. They're often a combination of both pot and column stills. Um, In fact, it's very similar to Jamaican rum in general that just has maybe an additional smokiness and the unique aspects that are can be traced back to the stills that are used for demerara rum and the aging that's used in its production. The most common word used with this rum is smoky, and it's something you'll hear referred to often. If somebody says demerara rum, it's not uncommon to hear them uh, remark on its smoky elements. After that, it's it's pretty common and and for good reason. It is a, a strong element in that rum. A close second word. Uh, to describe Demerara rum would be deep. In other words, there, it's not really a one-note kind of rum. It is, does have a deep sort of complex flavor. It's not overwhelming, uh, but it is something that sort of changes as you drink it. Now, inside the United States, distribution for Demerara rum is primarily through one brand, and that's the El Dorado brand. Lemonheart used to be uh, the other major brand up until just recently uh, when their distribution um, sort of went Haywire, at least in this inside of the United States. so their new one, you know, Lemon Heart 151, which we'll talk about in uh, the next episode, episode nine, um, is readily available again, but their other rums are either hard or impossible to find commercially in the U.S. Uh, To get an idea of the Demerara rums that can be found internationally, I've added links in the show notes to two articles by Helena Tiara Olson and on her blog, A Mountain of Crushed Ice, which we've linked to previously in episode three. Uh, she wrote two really great articles that give a, an overview of this category of rum and talk about some of the different uh, Demerara rums that you can find internationally. In future episodes, I'll run through the entire El Dorado line as I, and I'll get more into the history of rums from Guiana in general, but again, this is more of an introduction to the category. So like Barbados rum, silver Puerto Rican rum, and dark Jamaican rum, which introductions to each can be found in episodes one, two, and three of this very podcast, uh, Demerara rum is a very common ingredient in tiki cocktails and really something that you're going to want to have on hand if you're going to be mixing from either Beach Bum Berry or the Trader Vic Cocktail Book Library. And today I've selected El Dorado 5-Year simply because of all the rums in the El Dorado line, I think not only is it the most versatile and a good mixer for tiki cocktails, but it is the one that's relatively easy to find in most well-known liquor stores. You're probably not going to find this in a grocery store. But if you go into things like your uh, local, in my area, your local beverages and more, your local total wine, you're probably going to find the Eldorado 5-year, even if you can't find the entire Eldorado line. So specifically on Eldorado 5-year, this rum is distilled by the company Demerara Distillers Limited in Guyana. Um, I'm going to leave some of the history of Demerara distilleries or Demerara distillers for future Demerara rum shows. But essentially, Guiana has gone from about 200 small distilleries in the 17th and 18th centuries uh, to the one distillery at the current time that's operated at what they call Plantation Diamond. And that's owned and operated by Distiller, Demerara Distillery Limited. Uh, they not only produce a lot of rum for themselves, they produce a lot of rum for others. Uh, their own brand is um, it was something that they started producing in 1992, and that's the Eldorado brand. There are other brands of Demerara rum that can be found outside of, of the El Dorado brand, like we, like we mentioned. But all of that rum that goes up to make a Demerara rum comes from the Demerara Distillery Limited Company that owns the El Dorado brand. So essentially, if you have a rum that's distilled in Guyana, it's coming from Demerara Distillery. But then they take that rum and ship it off to other manufacturers or other uh, distil- would even call them distillers other bottlers who can then take that, that rum that they've, that's they've been produced by Demerara distillers, and then they can add their own mark to it by putting, you know, how they age it, how they blend it, and get their own individual flavor, even though all of that rum is originally coming from one source. So anyway, get back to El Dorado 5. Um, on their website, El Dorado, you know, describes their rum as it cask-aged. It's, it's aged, uh, the El Dorado 5, true to its name, is aged a minimum five-year in bourbon oak barrels. They describe it as amber-hued, and then they go on to describe it as complex but with a delicate taste. Uh, it's a rum of, it's a blend of rum from two different stills, and one of the things that El Dorado um, is unique for, one of the things that's unique about the El Dorado rums and the Demerara distillers is the stills that they use to produce their rum. So in this case, the El Dorado 5 uh, is using two different stills. It's using one called the Wooden Coffee Still, which is uh, sort of the one of a kind uh, example working in the world today. So I'll I'll link to Demerara Distillers and their article on the distills the that they are the distills the that they use. Um, but it's really interesting to see a picture of the wooden coffee still and see um, what it looks like compared to a more modern, even even compared to a pot still or a modern column still. The other rum that's used for El Dorado Five is a column still. So they use a combination of this old wooden still and rums from this column still, and they combine that to make the Eldorado 5. Eldorado 5 is bottled at 80 proof or 40% alcohol by volume and runs about $18 a bottle. Um, I find it, it, you know, it'd be a very useful and versatile rum, not just for sipping neat, but also for mixing. At, at $18 a bottle, it's one another one of those rums that falls into the plantation five year of being not terribly expensive and does a good job of being both a good, great mixer and also something you could sip neat um, If for those occasions where you don't really want to mix a cocktail, but you just want to sip rum. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and taste the Eldorado five. Um, Normal disclaimer, I'm not, you know, very good at picking out individual flavors, but I can give you impressions of the rum. Hopefully, um, if you've been a listener for a couple episodes, you're starting to get the feel for how I am or am not tasting. Um, And if you're a new listener, then welcome to the world of not picking out individual flavors. Um, The appearance of this rum, it's lighter than what you might expect based on its description. So we talked about this rum being, you know, it's aged. uh, It's coming from Demerara sugar. uh, It's coming from, you know, from an oak cask. You might think, oh, this is going to be kind of a dark rum. It's darker than obviously a light rum, but it's really like a golden brown color in the bottle. And if you hold it up to the light when it's in the glass, it has... That same green ring that you would see um, when you hold up a, an Appleton or a Jamaican rum up to the up to the light when it's in the glass. Uh, it's fairly viscous when swirled in the glass and allowed to drain down the side. In other words, it takes a long time to drain down from the side once you've swirled it in the glass and let it sit. In terms of aroma, um, I get a distinct it's interesting. I get a distinct difference when I smell this rum from the bottle as opposed to smelling it from the glass. So from the glass, I found it to be a very mild aroma. Maybe a little bit woody, there's no alcoholic burn, not terribly sweet like some rums I've tasted in the past, maybe a little bit of a hint of a soil smell. But when I smell it directly from the bottle, uh, maybe because of less exposure to the air and I haven't swirled to that that point, um, there is that element of smokiness that we talked about earlier. And this is what, again, what Demerara rums are known for, that smokiness. But for whatever reason, I didn't pick that up when it's in the glass, only when I'm smelling it from the bottle. In terms of taste, um, it's a really mellow rum to start. Uh, moves quickly across the tongue into the throat with just a little bit of sharpness, but nothing, nothing too dramatic. It's easy to tell that this rum is aged because how, of how mellow it is when you when you sip it neat. Um, and in addition to the sugar, there's maybe a small hint of vanilla. But when you compare it to something like a spiced rum, the vanilla is almost barely there. It's something that I only picked up on after having you know maybe two three sips of it. It overall, it has a great depth of flavor, um even at this five year version, I've had some of the other Eldorado rums. I've had a eight and a twelve and a fifteen. But even this five year has a deep you know complexity of flavor, which makes it really hard for me to pick out you know individual notes. Uh, in terms of a finish, it has a, a nice lingering finish. It doesn't last forever, but it is pleasant in how it takes a little bit of time uh, before it fades away. Um, and it finishes a little warmly as it settles down your throat. So, you know, when going back to uh, comparing it to Lemon Heart 80, when Lemon Heart 80 supplies dried up, my first thought was I, I started buying Eldorado 5 and I turned to that as my Demerara rum of choice. Uh, then I started buying the Eldorado 12-year and started using that exclusively not just for mixing but also for sipping Demerara rum. And in doing so, I kind of overlooked how versatile this rum is that, and it operates in that sweet spot of both being able to be a mixer and sipping neat. Um, I am, you know kind of anxious to cover both the 8 and 12 year and even the 15 year um, in future episodes. Heck, even the 21 year if I can figure out a way to pay for that rum. Um, but I feel like it's I've been neglecting the El Dorado 5 um, in the recent past. And I really do recommend it for anyone who either likes rum, you know, on just in terms of liking rum straight, this is a great rum. And if you specifically, if you're trying to stock a bar to make classy tea, classic tiki cocktails, I heartily recommend having a bottle of El Dorado 5 on hand. So talking a little bit about the, the base of a Demerara rum, which is uh, Demerara sugar from sugar canes uh, out in Guyana, um, Demerara sugar also makes a great Demerara sugar syrup. And what is meant by Demerara sugar and how is it alike or different from other sugars? Um, most normal, what you call table sugar, um, you know, it's, it's very similar to that in that it's sucrose, However, it's unrefined and and generally still contains residual molasses that leads to its darker color uh, when compared to table sugar. It ranges from a light to a dark brown in color based on the percentage of molasses that's still in the sugar. Um, Interestingly, some of what's called brown sugar is actually refined sugar with molasses added back in, which seems to be a bit process-heavy considering where the sugar is coming from to begin with. Uh, But from what I've read those sugars are primarily based on beet sugar. So it seems like kind of a long journey to get to where you want to get, which is just something closer to the original pressed sugar cane that had molasses still in it. Anyways, the natural brown sugar variety of uh, brown sugar is produced from the first crystallization of sugar cane juice and goes by many names that you'd see in in a supermarket, Uh, Turbinado sugar, Muscavo sugar, and Demerara, which is what we're talking about here. Turbinado and Demerara sugars are made by crystallizing raw sugar cane juice and then spinning it in a centrifuge to remove water and some impurities, which is sort of heavy science there for a drinking podcast. Anyway, the upshot is that we're making a brown sugar syrup and using Demerara sugar with rum cocktails, especially those cocktails that are based on Demerara rum, is obviously a nice touch and a good way to pair the sugar to the the rum. Um, where to buy Demerara Sugar for Demerara Sugar Syrup. Um, I find a great price a great price on boxed Demerara Sugar on Amazon. I've linked to it in the show notes. Um, I've bought it three or four times. It usually comes uh, 10 two-pound boxes in a box, and that's usually good for me for about a year's worth of making syrup. Uh, overall, the sugar isn't that hard to find, but Amazon sells it at a good price and delivers to your front door, so that's generally why I get it there. Uh, the recipe... Uh, For Demerara Sugar Syrup is just as simple as the Simple Syrup from Episode 2. I generally make this syrup a little bit thicker than Simple Syrup to give it a richer mouthfeel. Um, Mouthfeel. Hang on, that's a dollar in the top like a foodie swear jar. Okay, Um, so I use a 2 to 1 or a 2 to 1.5 ratio of Demerara Sugar to Water. So if I'm going to make, let's say, a cup of Demerara Sugar Syrup... I'm going to use a cup of demerara sugar and a half a cup or maybe three-quarters of a cup of water, somewhere in that range. Heat that in a saucepan over very low heat until the sugar is dissolved. Let it cool in the pan and then bottle it. Um, I would caution, don't cook it. Um, Obviously, you're going to heat it a little bit to dissolve the sugar. But this flavor, this demerara sugar, is a little less forgiving than regular sugar if you actually start to boil it so it'll start to taste cooked. Um, it's still usable, but it tastes a little bit different. So it's not you're not going to ruin it if you boil it a little bit, but it will taste a little bit different. You really just want to heat it enough to dissolve the sugar. In terms of storage, um, I store mine in the same bottle that I've linked to several times and that I use for about a dozen other syrups in my refrigerator. Uh, I'll link to that syrup, that olive oil syrup bottle uh, with the pour spout in the show notes. Um, and I do add a little bit of silver rum as a stabilizer just to make sure that it stays uh, preserved. It generally doesn't stick around too long because I only make it a cup at a time. Uh, but it always go- is good a good idea to add a little bit of silver rum just to stabilize it. So the recipe in this episode uh, sort of highlights all things Demerara. Um, I've pulled this recipe from Beach Bumberry Berry Remixed. Uh, the recipe itself is called the Noah Noah. And I'm going to be using the Eldorado 5-year today. But this recipe works really well with other Eldorados that I've mentioned before, like the 8 and the 12. Um, it is a pretty boozy cocktail. Um, some like it more or less because of that. I happen to like it. Other people would like a little bit more um, variety in the flavor. Uh, so it's not universally loved when I make it for others. But I, again, I do like it. It's, it's kind of close to sipping uh, rum neat. So that might be a good barometer on whether you're going to like this cocktail or not. Um, and one key is because it's based on a swizzle, one key is to swizzle this with crushed ice, really for as long as the recipe calls for, to make sure that it gets diluted and chilled properly. Remember, if you're swizzling something in crushed ice, you're not watering it down; you're mixing it to the right proportion so that it matches what the person who wrote the pe- recipe intended. So, don't be afraid of ice. Um, as a reminder, when making this recipe, fresh lime juice only, no bottled lime juice, and certainly no Rose's lime juice, which is the almost the well, I won't say the opposite of lime juice, but it's just it's not it's not fresh lime juice. Um, This recipe also has a really strong mint component, so you're going to need some fresh mint. Um, Obviously, that's pretty easy to find at most grocery stores. Most of them carry it. Um, If you buy it at a grocery store and you want to store it because you're not going to use all of it, uh, generally I'll wrap it loosely in a damp paper towel and then wrap it up in a a plastic bag. could be the plastic bag that you get your produce in. Um, You don't want to wrap it tightly. You need to give it a little bit of air, but it also needs a little bit of moisture which is what that moistened paper towel will give it. Um, Generally speaking it'll keep about a week in the refrigerator like that before it starts to go limp Uh, but as soon as it loses its rigidity um, really that mint is past its prime and should just go ahead and be thrown out. Uh, You can also grow your own. I've read for years and years about how mint is essentially a weed and if you plant it you can't get rid of it. Um, I will say from my own experience as a gardener I make a pretty good cocktail mixer and I've managed to kill Over the course of a summer, almost every mint plant that I've grown. I'm trying it again. We'll see how that goes. Um, If you are able to grow mint, then by all means, I would say grow it and just pull mint off as you need it, because that would be the best way at all uh, to do it. So this recipe is called the Noah Noah. Uh, It's from, again, the Beach Bunberry Remix book. The name Noah Noah sort of loosely means fragrant in Tahitian, or generally just means something that smells good. I saw another description online that says that the Noah Noah uh, means simple and harmonious. Uh, that was a fashion company that called themselves Noah Noah that gave that description. I think either one of them works as a, as a description for this cocktail, uh, but be, simply because of the use of mint in this cocktail, I, I think the word fragrant is a, is a better um, application of the, of the term Noah Noah. This drink uh, is more or less a swizzle, which is usually served, served in a Collins glass. Uh, however, in this case, it's a, in a double old-fashioned glass. So the recipe itself is one ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of Demerara sugar syrup, four to six mint leaves, and then three ounces of Demerara rum. So start by taking a double old fashioned glass and put uh, every one of those ingredients in there and probably half fill it with crushed ice. And then you're gonna swizzle that um, probably for about 30 seconds just to sort of dilute everything, chill everything down, and then add more crushed ice to fill the glass And then swizzle again. And as you swizzle it that second time, you'll see the glass start to frost on the outside. As soon as you start to see that frost form, your uh, drink is ready to go. Uh, Garnish that with a mint sprig. Add a lime shell from when you squeeze the fresh lime juice. And maybe use a little bit of a swizzle stick in there just to, you know, so you can swizzle it as you go. And I have my Noah Noah right here. The very same one that you'll see pictured in the show notes. And I'm going to go ahead and try that. Mm, This is definitely a drink to enjoy if you're one with rum and mint. Uh, Because it's swizzled with the fresh mint, you do get a really strong mint flavor. The sugar gives it just a little bit of sweetness to offset the lime juice. And I would say the rum, it's still, you can tell there's a really good rum in there, but the lime juice and the mint does tend to overpower it just a little bit. All in all, though, this is a cocktail that I really do enjoy. Um, Like I said before, it's just one that isn't universally loved. That's it for this episode of 5 Minutes of Rum. Uh, Next time, we're going to talk about overproof rum, including the fabled Lemon Heart 151, which is a overproof Demerara rum, which should tie nicely back to this episode. Thanks for listening. Show links will be up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number5minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. Uh, From iTunes, you can subscribe. You can rate the show. Even leave a review. Uh, The show is also on Twitter as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 minutes of rum. Please send in comments, corrections, feedback, or even just requests uh, via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum.